Hey, welcome to TNT. My name is Carrie, and I get to serve as the Director of Pastoral Care here at New Hope, and it is an absolute honor to be here with you guys today. Y'all are so awesome visiting in the chat, and this is such a neat community. We do love getting together on Tuesdays and Thursdays with you guys. Um, I first hosted TNT back in early November, and we studied Proverbs 3, and since then we've learned a whole lot by going through this book. We certainly weren't as wise back then as we are today, you guys. Um, so thanks for being on the journey with us, and I hope you've learned a lot from also studying in Proverbs. And we do learn better when we get together. So. If you want to get together and learn with other people and connect with more New Hopers, we have life groups opening right now. This is your chance. It couldn't be easier to do. Some groups are meeting virtually and other people are meeting in person. Um, we have an online life group finder. If you text the word groups to 642123, it'll kick back a link to find your life group. So meet some more New Hopers that way. Um, I probably shared with you guys before the nature of my job is really meeting somebody when they're having a really hard day, uh, and I point them to Jesus. <laughs> um, I love, just absolutely love having a front row seat to how God is showing up and moving in someone's life. Spiritual journeys are awesome, but challenging. We know that suffering produces character and character produces hope. Um, we usually don't realize when we're about to embark on one of those spiritual journeys until the, that rug gets yanked out from underneath our feet and we find ourselves on our knees. Um, we realize that, wait, God put us on our knees so we could seek him first and pray. Um, we've had lots of opportunity to do that this past year. Um, we've, we've watched God do what only he can do and all glory to him. So shout out to the pastoral care team, our pastors, our awesome prayer partner volunteers. These guys pray like their life depends on it. If you find yourself in need of prayer support, we have an awesome church family. We will pray for you. You can put a prayer request in the chat, or if you want a more anonymous way to ask for prayer, you can go to our prayer wall. Uh, if you get a link to the prayer wall when you text the word prayer to 642123. So it's the first week in February, and to be honest, it's been a long and difficult almost a year now. Um, I wonder if if we focus on the good for just a minute, um, because God is good, and sometimes I challenge people to look, even during a difficult time, for the good going on, I think it helps us see God at work. He's always up to something good, even in the midst of really hard seasons. So I want you to consider, what's been good? If you think of it, put something in the chat to encourage somebody else. Maybe you learned something new about the Lord, or the Bible, or yourself in the past year. Maybe you passed a spiritual mile marker, or you've drawn closer to God, or watched a loved one fall in love with Jesus, or reading his word more consistently. Have you witnessed a baptism, or found Jesus to be truly all you need? Yeah, me too. I've seen all those things. I've put on so many spiritual milestones in this past year, and especially since I added myself <clears throat> on here last time for always starting a Bible reading plan in January and then petering out somewhere around Leviticus. Mm -hmm, that was me. Um, so this year, 2021, I've got a group of friends uh, that we're reading along for accountability. And we are doing it, you guys. We are reading this whole book in a year, um, which seems overwhelming. I mean, look, the, the pages are so thin. It's so much. Uh, but when I got to it in the reading plan, it takes me about 12, maybe 15 minutes every morning to actually read enough so that by the end of the year I will have read the whole Bible. 
it's amazing. So that's one thing that I've learned this year. We can make the time. Um, we, we can prioritize what's important, and getting in the Word is definitely important. So please put in the chat what's been good when you look for the good out of this horrible, difficult, challenging year. Um, so we're about to wrap up our TNT series on Proverbs next week. Um, we're going to finish Proverbs really strong with my gal, Angela Bonzinski, bringing us Proverbs 31 next Thursday. I can't wait, you guys. I just can't think of a more lovely human example of a godly, virtuous woman, a wife of noble character than Angela. So don't miss it and be ready to tune in next Thursday for that Proverbs 31 conclusion. Today we're going to look at Proverbs 29, which is in the back third of the book. So at the end of Proverbs, the audience kind of steers to leaders or people that are aspiring to be leaders. And I know what some of you are thinking, oh good, I'm not a leader so I don't have to really pay much attention to this, but I can't wait to throw an elbow at somebody that I know in my life that is a leader, right? But here's the deal, you guys, we are all leaders in one capacity or another. You might not be a CEO, or you might not be Joshua leading into the promised land, but we all have influence, and I guarantee somebody looks up to you. Maybe it's a child, a coworker, someone who doesn't know Jesus yet, but your version of religion seems somehow attractive to them, and they just might consider this whole living for Jesus thing that you seem to be into. The truth is, we all lead, whether we realize it or not. Leadership is, not about, is more about a life worth following than it is about a title or a position. So, with that in mind, let's dig into the word, fellow leaders. <laughs> so, Proverbs 29 is like a buffet line of wisdom. Uh, it can feel a little sporadic, like 28 was uh, on Tuesday with Pastor Jeremy. Uh, these are couplets. They're usually contrasting opposites. They jump around from topic to topic like a bunch of New Hope students hyped up on caffeine and donuts, okay? So, we're going to jump around a little bit, but I'll steer you along the way, and we are going to start in verse 1 of Proverbs 29. In the New Living Translation, it says, Whoever stubbornly refuses to accept criticism will suddenly be destroyed beyond recovery. Yikes. So you've got to ask yourself, am I one who stubbornly refuses criticism? When someone loves you enough to speak the truth in love to you, do you cover your ears and pretend they didn't say the truth? Or do you consider it an opportunity to grow? Sometimes we ignore those chances to grow so often that the opportunity to get better soon becomes a lost cause and that door gets shut. This first verse says that stubborn folks like this, they're going to be suddenly destroyed without hope of recovery. Yikes! Think about the Lord gives us chance after chance after chance to listen to his wise correction, to listen to his counsel, to hear his voice. How many times have I stubbornly refused his criticism and loving correction? 2 Peter 3.9 says it like this, The Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. No, he's being patient for your sake. He doesn't want anyone to be destroyed, but he wants everyone to repent. The Lord's heart is for us to repent, not to be destroyed. So let's be humble and teachable and turn from what is not honoring to the Lord and live our lives sold out for Jesus and for his purposes. So I said earlier that in the back third of Proverbs, it's going to be directed toward leaders and who doesn't want their leaders to be good leaders? And when we think of ourselves as leaders, right? It's about me looking at myself, self-reflection. We want to be good leaders to our people as well. Verse 2 says, When the godly are in authority, the people rejoice. But when the wicked are in power, they groan. <clears throat> By the way, I looked up so many different translations of this verse, and they all have that same word choice at the end, groan. So, 
If you need to let out a collective groan, you can go ahead and do that in the chat. But hold on. Only if you said something good that you learned in the last year. Then you're allowed to collectively groan, okay? Uh, when we get to verses like verse 2, we can't help but apply it to what we know. Take any leader at any point in history, including today, some are righteous leaders and others are wicked. And the people either rejoice or suffer depending on their character. But remember, this isn't about throwing the elbow here. We are all leaders to someone. Are you a righteous leader? Do the people who follow you rejoice because of your godly character? Or do they let out a collective groan? What about within your own family? Does your family rejoice because of your leadership? Or do they groan? But if we take one more step back, here's the best perspective ever. Consider the ultimate reality. Jesus is on his throne, and he's coming back one day victorious, you guys. Jesus wins in the end. So when we read verse 2 with that context in mind, when the godly are in authority, the people rejoice. So no more groaning for us. Having Jesus in authority leads to our ultimate rejoicing. So this next section here in Proverbs chapter 29, I'm going to be totally honest with you. <clears throat> I'm being obedient to God talking about this. I had written this whole entire Devo and skipped over all the verses in chapter 29 about parenting and discipline because I thought, who am I? How can I speak on that? But then I remembered that I don't want to stubbornly reject criticism, and the Lord was totally elbowing me to talk about this, so here we go. <laughs> Let me be totally clear on the parenting thing. I was a much better parent before I had kids, okay? I was awesome back then. As a matter of fact, I taught some of your kids when they were in middle school, and I'm certain that I told you a thing or two about how you should be parenting your kids. <clears throat> so my apologies for that, uh, and, and please forgive me for my lack of wisdom or understanding becoming a mom brings humility, you guys. See verse 23 about pride. It brings a person low. <laughs> I realize that there's no such thing as a perfect parent, nor a perfect kid. We are all raising little humans, little people with a natural bent towards selfishness and a sin nature. You don't even have to teach them that stuff. It's like they come pre-programmed for sin, and they have to be intentionally taught wisdom that comes from this book. Deuteronomy 6 tells us to impress God's commandments on our children's heart when we sit at home, when we walk along the road, when we lie down, when we get up. So basically, don't stop teaching your kids about how to live life with God at the center. These little darlings don't start off with a plethora of wisdom. They have to be taught and grow in it, just like we've grown in reading the book of Proverbs together. So my kids are teenagers now, and we all know what that means. They can be a little moody, moody and Mouthy sometimes, <clears throat> but I'm not going to throw them under the bus. I know I gave my mom a run for her money when I was a teenager, so maybe there's hope after all. <laughs> and it's a hard time to be growing up in, you guys. If it's hard on us as adults, imagine teenage years plus social media plus society the way that it is plus a pandemic. It's hard, okay? And parents, rem remember that second verse here in this chapter? When the righteous thrive, the people rejoice, and when the wicked rule, the people groan. Don't worry, all kids groan when they're being disciplined. That doesn't mean you're a wicked parent. Actually, God, who is the perfect parent and the best example for us to follow, he disciplines us for our own good. The writer of Hebrews says the Lord disciplines those he loves. And then he goes on in Hebrews 12 to say, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. 
there's that groan again, right? Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. So if you're looking for some good uh, input on parenting and discipline, Hebrews chapter 12 is chock full of wisdom on that. Go back and read that later on today, maybe. Um, but in Proverbs 29, verse 15, also talks about parenting and discipline. Chapter, uh, verse 15 says, To discipline a child produces wisdom, but a mother is disgraced by an undisciplined child. Oh my goodness, this is the reason that I avoided this. True confession, I've totally been here. <laughs> The disgraced mother. When I first started working at New Hope, my now teenagers were then three years old and little brother was 15 months old. And some sweet soul, when I first came on staff, asked me if I was familiar with the verse in 1 Timothy 3, 5. I was not, so I had to go look it up. It basically says, if anyone doesn't know how to manage their own family, how can they take care of God's church? Oh my goodness. Of course, they were probably saying that as my kids were running around crazy in the lobby at the time. <clears throat> and believe me, if that was you, I don't remember who it was. I don't even remember if it was a man or a woman. But if that was you, thank you. I know you were speaking the truth and love to me. I do appreciate that now. But at the time, oh, I need to work on disciplining my children. Um, when you think about God's great wisdom and how he disciplines, he even disciplined his son, his perfect son, for our sins. The only child who didn't need any discipline. He didn't deserve discipline. He never sinned. It was Jesus. Yet by his wounds we are healed. So God wants us to instruct and discipline our kids. We've got to teach them well today as a way of protecting them from poor choices tomorrow. So down in verse 17 it says, Discipline your children and they will give you peace of mind and make your heart glad. That one settles much better in my heart these days. My mom told me one time when I was a young mom and my kids were those crazy ages. She said, the terrible twos last until about 22. <laughs> and from what I've heard from some of you guys, some kids take a little longer than that to get out of the terrible twos. But now that we're past the cop stage in my house, you know, when, the, when your kids are little and they're toddling and they have to be put in timeout, you had to pull them over, give them a ticket, you had to say, nope, that's not how we do things and, and read them the riot act, right? We've gotten out of that stage in my house and we've kind of become coaches to them as teenagers. My kids are old enough now, they know the rules, they know how to make good decisions. Do they always? No. We do have to review with them, we gotta go over the playbook, we gotta uh, help them when they mess up, we gotta pull them out of the game. Their dad and I can sit them on the bench if they need a timeout, right? But we're coaching them today to live out what they've learned to do already and what they've always been raised to do and we'll continue working on raising them and growing them up, right? And I can truly say now, I do love watching both of them grow up. I love seeing their character being developed. You guys, they probably make a thousand decisions a day, every day, without us, right? We have to put in their minds and in their hearts the Word of God. So we've got to make sure that's firmly planted. We have this routine where when we pull into the driveway at school every morning, um, we pray over the day, and I've been doing that since kindergarten, and sometimes it's well-received, sometimes it's like, oh, geez, Mom, you're going to pray for me again? Of course, I'm going to pray every day. Um, but our kids and anyone that we're leading, they need prayer all the time. And I'm so enjoying who my kids are today in this moment and anticipating who they're going to become. Um, the, the big prayer is that one day when we're done with the coaching piece and they're young adults, um, that they would come to us as consultants for them when they need advice. But until then, I'm not gonna hold my breath for a, thanks mom and dad for disciplining me, it's so wonderful. <laughs> Probably not gonna say that. Um, but I need to tell you guys this, 
there's no such thing as a perfect kid. We are all works in progress. In our family, we always say, you either win or you learn. So what can you learn from your mistakes, your mishaps, your complete failures, your false starts? We are all works in progress, and our textbook is the Word of God. Somebody needs to hear that today. Your kid and you, no matter what the age, we're all works in progress. If you look for the good in them, just like we look for the good in this difficult year, you're going to find what God's up to, and he is doing something good. And that is one idea that you can give an elbow nudge about, okay? You can look at the young people in your world and say, I see the God potential in you. You're going to get there. Follow me as I follow Jesus. We may not be perfect, but we are being perfected. So give those little works in progress in your life a little grace and a little wisdom from the word today. There are plenty of lessons yet to learn, and you are their best teacher. Oh, my goodness, you guys. I'm about to read verse 20, and y'all are about to type amen, so get ready. (laughs) Verse 20 says, there's more hope for a fool than for someone who speaks without thinking. (laughs) Oh, my. Amen. How often did I lead myself right off the cliff on this one? Uh, James tells us in James 3, 8, No human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. And one of the ways that this deadly poison comes out of our mouths, through anger. Y'all thought I skipped over that one. In verse 11, if you zip back to verse 11 of Proverbs 29, it says, Fools vent their anger, but the wise quietly hold it back. I have a friend who says she's held her tongue so long, she's bitten a hole through it. (laughs) In wisdom, though, it's better for us not to speak while we're angry. Give yourself some time to think and cool down and hold your anger back. Thinking before you speak, like in verse 20. And then those words that you might have spoken in anger and you would later regret don't get spoken. You can think through how you want to respond to this person that made you mad. And then when we fast forward to verse 22, it says... An angry person starts fights. A hot-tempered person commits all kinds of sin. Lord, help us. (laughs) I'm not sure if you realize this, but anger is actually considered a secondary emotion. It's usually used as a distraction to cover over something that's more vulnerable, kind of um, something that I might be more embarrassed about. So when you're with somebody who's spouting off angry words, um, perhaps they're actually scared or they're embarrassed or they're exhausted. Uh, And what's being expressed is anger, because it's much easier to speak an angry word than to admit, I'm afraid right now, right? Or the next time you recognize anger coming up in you, stop and think. Consider what emotion is that that you're trying to hide from and mask it with anger. We can spotlight anger really easily. Like, look over there, I'm angry, everyone. But it's a different perspective on anger when you consider there's a deeper emotion going on there that we're trying to cover over. Remember, we've learned a long time ago, hurt people hurt people. And if you have to look at someone who's being angry and look beyond the anger, what's truly upsetting them? What's truly upsetting you? If anger is that default mode, like Pastor Tim taught us last weekend, I hope you know it doesn't have to be like that. And if you find yourself parenting or disciplining in anger, it's time to make a change and get some help. you got to draw the line in the sand and say no more. Ask a friend to hold you accountable and pray for you. Get professional help if you need it. Listen, I get it. I have teenagers. Did I say that? I have teenagers. (laughs) But I don't want to be known by them or by the Lord as an angry, hot-tempered parent. When I realize how much the Lord forgives me, 
it's easier to look at others with that kind of forgiveness in my heart, even those who are really good at pushing my buttons. <clears throat> Ephesians 6.4 speaks to parenting also. Do not exasperate your children to anger. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. It's a theme, you guys. I could not have not talked about parenting and discipline with this proverb. May we all keep growing in wisdom and helping our kids learn to deal with their anger in a healthy way as well. Because when we lash out in anger, we actually push the person we love away. But when you can figure out what that underlying emotion is, you can make a heart-to-heart connection with them and better understand each other and just have that much more lovely of a relationship. That's my challenge to you. Find what's underneath that anger. And um, in conclusion, there's so many more things in Proverbs 29. I really hope you all are going back and reading all of this because we're just kind of picking and choosing a handful of things. But as a leader, maybe you're not a Joseph or Moses or Joshua but you are a mom or a dad or a grandparent. You're that wise neighbor. You're the cool aunt or the fun uncle. You're a colleague who actually listens. Maybe you're someone who leads a life worth noting. And people who don't yet know Jesus, but they do know you, they see there's something different about you, something magnetic, something they'd like to know a little bit more about. Maybe you have something that they're looking for and they just haven't figured out what that is yet. You have Jesus, and you have wisdom. And if you're lacking in either of those, it's time to welcome Jesus into your life or recenter your world around him and keep gaining wisdom by staying in his word. So thank you for letting me be a part of this today. I'm going to close us out in prayer. Thank you, Lord, so much for sharing wisdom with us, especially in this book of Proverbs. It's been so helpful. We can apply so much of it to our lives. This is available to us at any time. We can open your word and read it for ourselves. And I thank you. Uh, We just scratched the surface of uh, the wisdom available. And so I lift up this group that's watching today, that's listening online, Lord. I pray that you would give us uh, wisdom and a a heart and a hunger uh, to be in your word more and um, learn and learn and keep learning. And thank you for being patient with us as we're learning. We're all works in progress. Help us be patient with our loved ones. And help us get out of your way and lead others to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, this has been really fun and wild. Uh, We'll see you back here on Sunday morning uh, or at one of our local campuses if you're coming into church. Um, uh, We'll see Angela next Thursday. And I can't wait for that. And I love you guys so much. And God bless you. Have a great day.